1: and
0: As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh oh. Uh oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. As it's probably apparent, I am not one hundred percent, so I am going to navigate uh today's show as best I can and try to hold off on all of the obvious things that go along with fighting off a cold, which I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Uh, thank you guys for all your remedies. I tried them. It did work for the throat it did it did um oh. <laughs> the it, the cayenne and ginger all that was great helped with the throat thing, and so now it's just it's just running its course. I don't need any violins. I'm okay it's it's life. Right. Like we, yeah. we deal with these things. We've we've prayed. We're taking all of our supplements. But it's I do say that as a disclaimer, because if there, you know, should happen to be um, a hacking fit. Then you I know. might need a violin to kind of play music sort of in the. <laughs> me- <And> I'll, <laughs> in cut, the, me- I'll cut the mic <laughs> quickly <cut laughs> to a different. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't I didn't want to not be here for our guest today. I am so thrilled to have him back with us. Uh, Brandon Showalter is a senior investigative reporter uh, at the Christian Post, and we've had Brandon on before to talk about issues of culture, in particular looking at the hypersexualization of our children, uh, robbing parents of their parental rights in like broad daylight, like I mean mm-hmm. just in plain sight, robbing wow. parents of their parental rights, and um, and I was reading an article. That talked about this multi-series investigative report that he has done in the form of a podcast, uh, "Generation Indoctrination." Mm-hmm. And if you remember when we were going through the SEL mm. multi-part series where we talked about social emotional learning and we talked right. about you know what is happening in schools with our kids, uh, I mentioned this podcast to you. I mentioned this report and I and I suggested that you listen. And I just I felt also it would be important for us to have Brandon on to talk about um, what led to this um, investigative report and and then also to unpack what he discovered. Because he brings in um, what I feel like are some really convincing arguments in favor of parents, if I can say it simply, just being parents, like just taking seriously our role (laughs) as parents that we are not. Growing up with our children, um, we're not taking our cues from them that there is something that the Lord has has entrusted to us in the right. rearing of our children that we're abdicating that role uh, daily, and in part because there are various pressures that are being put on parents. And, and you'll hear all of that. We're going to uh, weave in the show a few clips here, some of them um, in cliffhanger fashion. You'll have to really go and get the podcast. Everywhere you get your podcast, you can get Generation Indoctrination, and I just want to... i I don't often recommend that people binge listen or watch anything. Uh, but I will say in this particular case, just go ahead, <laughs> <laughs> just go ahead and, and, you know, and share it with your friends. So anyway, let's, let's uh, welcome our guest, Brandon Showalter, as I said earlier, a senior investigative reporter at the Christian post doing the diligent work of keeping us informed and, and digging deeply into these issues, not just scratching the surface so that you know people kind of feel mm-hmm. good about themselves, but really doing the difficult work um, and attaching his name, which in the time that we live in today <laughs> yeah, is boldness in and of itself, just to attach your name to your work. It's one thing to do the work, mm. but to attach your name to it. And so we're very grateful for that. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you?
1: Uh, it's great to be with you again. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, no, we're thrilled to have you back. I, I first want to say thank you for being excellent. I, I think that as Christians, and, and this should go without saying, um, but far too often it can be surprising when Christians do things excellently. and And I don't know why that is, but I want to say thank you for being an excellent investigative reporter and for spending so much time carefully putting together this series and welcoming so many voices to help give clarity to this issue. Thank you so much for doing that.
1: Well, you bet. I have great editors here, great team, and we are quite um, quite proud of this product we've produced, this investigative series. And it is, as you said, available wherever you get your podcast. The final episode will be available on Friday.
0: Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I am definitely looking forward to the final episode. Um, and, and yeah, you guys should be proud of the work that you've done. So, so tell me, take me kind of back into the brainchild of this series. So do you sit down and you go, the transgender issue, guys, let's dig deep. Or how how did this become um, the object of your investigation and your focus for the last few months?
1: Well, I've been reporting on these issues for several years. I sort of fell down the gender rabbit hole hmm. late 2016, early 2017. So it's been one of my main beats as we have in the news business for several years. And I started to People back then sort of thought I was a crazy man talking about giving kids blockers and then hormones Mm -hmm. and all this crazy stuff that's going on with this experimental medicalization. But a lot has changed. Even within this last year, the landscape looks entirely different in terms of public awareness about what's going on in the school system and in medical institutions. And so people are coming to me now saying, oh yeah, all this noise you've been making for all these years, I didn't understand it back then, but now I totally see it. Mm. But um, so it's been, it's sort of, it's come on the heels of a lot of print reporting that I've done, but uh, I've been in a couple of documentary films. I was in Tucker Carlson's most recent documentary called Transgressive, and there's a couple others that one was just put out a recent uh, sort of in September, and then the other, there's another one coming out later in this year. As awareness has increased, our editors thought that it would be a great time amid this increased awareness to do a documentary style, obviously audio only podcast series where we cover all of the angles, how this has infiltrated the school system, the medical implications, the history of this ideology. Uh, and how this is impacting the law and public policy, and then this final episode, we'll be hearing from a detransitioner. But again, as the public awareness is becoming uh, has has heightened about just how systematic this is and pushing this ideology on our children, and how this experimental medicalization, including blockers, hormones, and surgeries, are being done on children, we felt the need to really give people a comprehensive overview of how this has been all. In the works for many, many years, and people just haven't been aware of it. They've been slowly turning up the heat. These audio logs have pushing this trash against our children, and so we just figured, well, we'll try to—we wanted to aim for a very thorough, yet succinct, documentary-style investigative podcast series where people heard from a broad variety of voices—some yeah. Christians, some non-Christian. We've got Republicans and Democrats, medical experts, a historian of gender, a bioethicist. We've got a very in-depth look at what this ideology is doing to our kids, um, and so it's uh, thus far, I'm, I'm getting rave reviews. People are really tuning in and learning a lot. But it's excellent. It's old hat for me because I've been reporting for years on it. So sure. Finally, people seem to be waking up.
0: Sure, sure. And I, I don't know what it means for us. Let me just say this kind of tongue-in-cheek here for a second. I don't know what it means for us that you've been reporting on this by way of writing articles and writing pieces. And, and you know, and we've invited you to talk about the things that you're writing, but I don't know. Right. You put something in like audio form and people are like, okay, now I, find, <laughs> I don't know if we just don't yeah, want to read right. because you have been discussing this. You have been covering it and you've been doing an excellent job, but I will say there is something, I think there you were able to go, Um, deeper on this and I think the impact Mm -hmm. of hearing the voices of parents and hearing these doctors and and I think there's something different about that as well would you agree
1: well right and it just makes it so much more uh, I think just it's more of a personable personal kind of thing and you can listen to it as you're driving or as you're doing work you're not have to sit down and really invest in all of your faculties in it you can learn a lot while doing other things I think that really helps but sure Especially when you're talking about families that have been impacted, mm. you can sense the kind of urgency within their voices. I mean, there's in episode one, we, I speak with a mom whose daughter was groomed, and there's no, that's, I feel perfectly fine saying that word. Some people have an issue with that word, but she was totally enticed and groomed into this insidious gender ideology at school where the school officials and a social worker behind her parents' back. We're trying to say that she could. Oh well, you what restroom do I want to use? And we're going to call you a different name while at school. Totally subverting the parent-child relationship. Mm. And when you hear this mom talk, you just can't help but be moved by what it was to have a school totally overstep any kind of boundary and wedge itself in between the mom and the daughter. And you, you, I don't know anybody who loves their kids that just wouldn't think that that is so inappropriate. The idea that you would pit a kid against. His or her own parent. Mm. That's the kind of thing that's happening. And that's often how, it's often the first step in the pipeline where a school child gets brainwashed while in class and then they're funneled off, sometimes at the behest of a guidance counselor. I've known Mm -hmm. stories where guidance counselors are actually making referrals to the local gender clinic or through a Gay Straight Alliance or Gender Sexuality Alliance Club. And before you know it, they're exploring, undergoing blockers or hormones. Wow. I mean, this is kind of an outrageous. This is a medical scandal and a social yes. scandal, yeah. but it often starts at the school. And so when you hear from families that are impacted by it, you absolutely can hear that sense of urgency in their voices because they never thought that something like this could happen to their family. It just shatters their lives.
2: Wow. Oh,
0: absolutely. It's just a, a curious question that I have, because I think we've experienced this with the whole CRT thing. Since you've been like writing and reporting on this for su- such a long time, has it surprised you at all how quickly this stuff has advanced? Like, or did you feel like it would it would be this way? Uh, well,
1: I, I, a lot of people do say that they are just floored by how brutally quickly the brutal (laughs) speed with which this has taken off has been astonishing but when you peel back the curtain and you see how this has been in the works for Mm. a while Mm -hmm. uh it's i think people start to then put put two and two together they they connect the dots with respect to crt um you know i'm i'm certainly not in agreement with that but what i have noticed is that the gender theory is even more dire than even what you might say crt i i know some You know, blacks who are, to varying degrees, supportive of certain elements of CRT, Mm -hmm. but they're totally opposed to this gender trash. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, so it's the gender. I think theory has. I've I've heard it described that CRT and this gender stuff—they they're not the same species, but they have some of the the similar genus, if you will. Yeah. Um, but yeah. if anything the gender stuff brings even people who are maybe supportive of some elements of CRT together with people who oppose both CRT and the gender the gender I think it's more gender theory is more consequential than even CRT is just that's my personal opinion because you're talking about potentially medicalizing a child's healthy body and disfiguring them for the rest of their lives
0: well, now that's really yeah. interesting, Brandon. So let's let's stay there for a second, because if what you observe is true, and, and I think Will the Great and I have made these observations to some degree, and that is that it seemed that when CRT kind of rose to the surface and it became obvious that this was something that right. was being peddled in schools, it seemed that that elicited the greatest outrage from parents, even more so than queer identity being pressed and pushed in schools. <sighs> how do you, How do we account for that?
1: Well, that's a very fascinating question, and I'll tell you this example. I know of cases where there were left wing feminists and other protesters who, because the media was excessively focusing on the critical race theory dimension, but parents were bringing their concerns about the gender stuff too, the media conflated them even when the parents were saying, okay, we're going to table our differences about CRT and focus exclusively on the gender stuff, but that's not how the media reported it. They tried to be as disciplined as they could in objecting to the gender stuff and put – now, some people disagreed with CRT, some people agreed with you know, CRT, but they all were opposed to this pick-your-gender nonsense that they peddle in schools. And yet still, the media didn't report it honestly. The local press did not. It's a very frustrating thing because when parents are trying to bring their concerns and being very focused with their message, it still doesn't quite translate into the press who makes this exclusively about the racial issues. And most, I mean, I tell you, I've, very rarely do I meet an African-American person, male or female. They're out there, but very few, whether they're on the left or the right, who think that this gender stuff is is good? Like almost every black person I know thinks this is nonsense, and rightly so, right? Uh, because unfortunately, in this country, black people know what it's like to be experimented on medically.
0: Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Now they,
1: that is. I, I, I have a left wing, a left wing atheist journalist friend who tells me, and it's a very quotable quotes that we we can smell when the eugenics train is rolling into town wow
0: wow (laughs) she's not wrong yeah no she's not at all and it's it's fascinating what you just um what you just communicated here i think that there are some other implications to what you're sharing that maybe are outside of the extent of this conversation but Maybe we'll have you back, Brandon, um, as we said the last time you were on. And here you are, uh, because I think you, you've, you've touched on something that I think is very important, uh, not only to us, but also to the black community at large. We'll take the break and we'll be right back.
3: God's not
2: you, even with your broken heart and your wounds in your sky.
3: You know, I've I've heard people compare this ideology to a cult, which I definitely see a lot of cult character traits in this. I've, I've heard people compare this to the fascism and totalitarianism movements that we've seen in the past. And I think there's a lot of that in it. But ultimately, the, this is is even bigger than any of those things, because this isn't happening in one cult community. This isn't happening in one state state, it's not happening in one country, it's not happening on one continent even. This is global.
1: The transgender craze is growing and metastasizing in America and across the world. Confusion is abounding. And while Western cultures celebrate and elevate it, the costs are quickly mounting. From a loss of parental rights to botched and destroyed young lives, this movement leaves little room for apathy. I'm Brandon Showalter, a journalist with the Christian Post. And in the last few years, I've been covering the developments of the so-called gender identity movement. In this five-part investigative podcast series, we'll take you through parents' heartbreaking stories. We'll explore the chaotic state of our education system in the United States and the overtly sinister actions and craven cowardice of our institutions. We'll also explore the history of how we got to where we are and so much more. In this inaugural episode, we'll tackle how some of our schools have become indoctrination centers for gender ideology and the dire impact that this is having on families.
0: Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Brandon Showalter actually joins us today to discuss this very important series that I I cannot recommend uh, strongly enough that parents and grandparents listen to this multi-part investigative series. Like mm-hmm. I, if, you know, it's... You have to listen to it and you have to share it like we we there's so much that we just don't know. And I think that there's so much that happens to our children, to our grandchildren, because we just don't know. And because we expect better of people, uh, the people that we entrust our children to, we expect better of them. Um, and we don't know. Right. That we should be cautious. Um They take advantage of that, and I don't think it's a strong, too strong a word to use. Our children are being abused as a result of this, and I think that's something that uh, Brandon's series here kind of uncovers for us. Brandon, thank you for joining us. I want to pick up kind of right where that intro alludes, um, the school ground being ground zero for this gender ideological battle. Um, Talk about what it is based on your investigation. Talk about what parents... Just don't know or refuse to believe that schools uh, could be doing to our children
1: well, the ideological indoctrination is pretty systematic, and um, you guys are based in Tupelo, Mississippi is that correct that's right, right. well i you know it's probably not as much there, but you would be surprised that even in places where you would least expect it, this kind of sinister dogma is infecting all sorts of curriculum mm-hmm. and lessons it's a lot of this comes under the umbrella of anti-bullying oftentimes there are these surveys that are passed out in mm-hmm. a homeroom where students are asked to declare their names and pronouns and uh, there's there's just so many you know you know places from within the school where they sneak this stuff in where they introduce these ideas that it is somehow possible to change your sex mm-hmm. and they'll call it different things they'll introduce all these other concepts and it's all cloaked in this nice, politically correct, euphemistic language, but what it's doing is sowing the seeds of confusion about one of the most basic facts of our being—our human bodies—and um, it just is—it's a, a train wreck from there. The clubs, as I mentioned in the previous segment, the, with the Gay Story Alliance—that's now called Gender and Sexuality Alliance—clubs; these are just breeding grounds for confused children. Uh, I interview a mom in that first inaugural episode where as I also said she was you know somehow the, the what what had happened was the mom had let the one of the guidance counselors know that her daughter was struggling throughout covid and somehow that allowed this meeting to happen where her confusion was only furthered along by these school officials Uh, And so there's just several different ways, whether it's through course content or through activist teachers or guidance counselors, where confusion is being pummeled into the heads of these kids who otherwise wouldn't have it. But the kids that are most vulnerable to this are often on the autism spectrum or they're dealing with a bunch of other mental health issues or psychiatric comorbidities. Those young people are quite vulnerable, and schools are, as you described it, ground zero for this kind of indoctrination. There are many ways this is happening, Um, and it does lead to medical uh, decisions. And I actually know of one case where the school worked actively to separate another daughter from her mom and uh, the state social services agency, agency intervened and actually removed legal custody. And that poor teenage girl wound up dead. Mm. Uh, And it's a pretty gruesome death with what happened. Uh, So it's happening in a number of of different ways, but it's all very sinister. And I, um, it's happening in places you wouldn't wouldn't expect it to. Um, yeah. So parents have to be very vigilant.
0: Yeah, as you point out, I think it, it is happening, and I think increasingly we are observing that there's no place that is immune to this. There's no place that kind of gets out unscathed while we broadcast from Tupelo. Um, the broadcast right. is heard across the country, and, and we get the calls and the emails of of the faithful Christians yes. who have the parents, <laughs> right. uh, the, the, the kids and right. the grandkids, who are confused and, and I don't mean to, you know, to be an alarmist, but I do mean to alarm. Uh, We often are losing because we don't understand where the battle is. We don't Mm -hmm. understand how to fight. And one of the areas where um, we are being manipulated and I want to play a clip and then get you to talk around this clip just a little bit, Brandon. But one of the areas where we're being manipulated is this affirmation only approach. Let's talk about this because we've got parents who are, they love Jesus and, but they've been told, hey, if you don't affirm, if you don't love and you don't care for your kid, meaning that you agree with what your kid asserts, then you could be complicit in the death of your child. And so you've got all of these parents, Christian parents, who are just going along with this because this is what has become right. culturally normative. So let me do this because you, you interviewed Dr. Andre Von Moll, I believe is his name. He's a family medicine doctor in Redding, California. And um, I think he provides some insight that I want to have you talk around. Um, This is clip number two.
2: As you know, in in the United Kingdom, Sweden, Finland, three nations that were leading in this whole gender-affirming therapy because of complaints and scientific literature reviews, actions of divisions of government, scientific organizations, medical, they've done a virtual 180 from you know, uh, being strong sponsors of gender-affirming therapy to saying this will not happen whatsoever medically under 16 years of age. Between 16 and 18, it will only happen under great restriction, under very tightly uh, supervised studies. They all acknowledge that after all these years, it remains experimental, not proven safe, not proven effective, and that it actually can't show that it does what it's claiming to do in improving the mental health let alone suicide reduction uh, of the people who partake and yet you know as the activists go around discussing it it's all oh it's either you know gender affirming therapy or people are going to kill themselves and the kind of intimidation that's thrown at parents you know do you want a live son or a dead daughter do you want to be planning a transition or a funeral and, and it's incredible that people are hearing this from their you know health and me- healthcare and mental health professionals but you can imagine the crisis a parent feels. They they know their kid has other problems. The other problems are being ignored. Great concerns. Yet these authority figures in their life are throwing these kind of threats at them. It's hugely disorienting for a parent.
0: Brandon, but those examples that the doctor is using there, the examples of being told, you know, do you want a living daughter or dead son, you know, these these sort yeah. of uh, false binaries, if you will—I mean, excuse mm-hmm. the expression—in mm-hmm. light of what we're talking about, but Total these are things. It's yeah. manipulation. Go ahead, talk about that. It's yeah. manipulation.
1: Oh well, I just get so hot under the collar when I hear that because that's the most visceral. just yes, the threat that they use to scare parents. And so who? And, and here's the, the ugly truth: is that there have been some young people that are very, very troubled and gender confused that have taken their own lives. So it plays upon a very real fear. But suicide is such a, is such a complex phenomenon, there are many contributing factors, and you can't prove that unless you pump your kid full of hormones that they are going to take your, their life. There's no mm-hmm. way to, to know that, and so that's used to manipulate parents. Um, and it, what is disgraceful, as Dr. Van Maul pointed out, is that – well. European nations are indeed moving away from this treatment protocol. And I don't even like to call it a treatment protocol because it's not even medicine, it's medicalization and it's experimental. Mm -hmm. But in light of how our institutions have been captured by this dogma and these ideologues, parents think that if, well, if the American Academy of Pediatrics or the Endocrine Society say it's fine, then that must be true, and if I'm a Christian, I need to love. And so they they need to use some serious Holy Spirit discernment because they're being lied to and manipulated. Because there is no evidence that putting your kid on blockers and hormones is going to actually solve the problems of anything. It's only going to open them up to a world of hurt, and they're likely yes. to wind up completely sterile.
0: Mm. You know, it is it is amazing to me that you've got, and you you guys, you uncover this in uh, the podcast, Generation Indoctrination. That's the name of the podcast. You've got to get it. You've got to listen to it multi-part. The last part comes out tomorrow. Um, it's going to be worth your time. And it's going to be worth you sharing. Um, And so I want to just invite all of our listeners to check that out wherever you get your podcast. You're going to want to do a search for generation indoctrination. Um, But going back to something that you just said, you talked talked about, um, you know, over in Europe where this was sort of like, you know, trendy or in vogue to have Mm -hmm. these gender affirming clinics. Uh, the, The famous one, Tavistock, that was shut down or is being shut down if it is not already shut down, is also facing a class action lawsuit. Talk about the reason behind that.
1: Yes, the Tavistock Clinic in London, that was recently ordered to close, and it should be closing next year sometime, and that was at the behest of the CAST review. Dr. Hilary CAST is a very well-respected pediatrician over there. But developments in England have been churning for some time. I've covered the ongoing the happenings there for a few years now, and a few years ago, there were some whistleblowers that said, wait a minute, there are no safeguards in place. All these children, they're being fast-tracked. People aren't allowed to question this. And people have really been trying to raise the alarm. Open letters were written and posted online addressing the Tavistock Clinic director, pointing out the problems. Then there was a detransitioner, and I believe 2020, who actually brought what they have—it's a case in court called a judicial review against the Tavistock. She was put on blockers and hormones as a teen and then went on to have her breasts cut off, only to realize later that this didn't solve her problems. And she Mm. now is very likely infertile and has all kinds of health problems and a deepened voice because that's one of the effects of the testosterone. Mm. Uh, That contributed. And so there was a court ruled ruled in her favor— and then it was a partial reversal and then a full reversal, but I think all of the contributing factors, the whistleblowers and this detransitioner-led judicial review, and you know the, the work of some activists on the ground has helped turn the tide against this ideology, uh, politically speaking. Uh, but then the independent review of the, the clinic, which showed that there were a number of problems, shoddy record-keeping, alarming that there was a high number of autistic people who were being treated they've now ordered it to close. And I still think we'll have to keep a watchful eye because they might open up some of these similar gender clinics mm-hmm. in more scattered throughout the country in regional offices, and it won't be just headquartered in London. So keep a watchful eye. But the tide is definitely turning in England and nearby in Sweden, a few countries over, the Karolinska Hospital, as Dr. von Moll mentioned, they're, they've dramatically scaled back, as has Finland, and I think France now, too. So Europe is you know, doing the right thing and moving away. Here, America and Canada <laughs> seem to be stomping on the gas. Mm. Yeah. Uh,
0: so help, help, wow. uh, help me understand that. Like wh- you've got all of this information out. What's what's? And I mean this lovingly. This is our nation. What's wrong with us? Wh- wh- why are we <laughs> continuing on in this way?
1: Uh, well, I think part of the reason is money. I mean, uh. if you put a child on blockers and hormones, you're going to have a medical patient for life. So it behooves mm. us to ask, well, mm. who's benefiting from this? Who stands to profit from this? Wow. And the pharmaceutical industry, I know big pharma, you start to put your tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist <laughs> thing on. But it's, no, really, It's you, yeah. you think about, you know, who who stands to benefit from this. And then they can, if you can market this through school curriculum, through social media, through Tumblr, through YouTube, through all these cultural things, movies, T V shows, and it becomes the cool thing to be some other quote yes. unquote gender identity. You've got customers. You've built a clientele and you've got a lot of money coming in. And then those same lobbies own politicians and the LGBTQ plus whatever the acronym acronym is now sure. they 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 put their messages out there through their politicians that they have helped get into office. And so it's a multi faceted scourge where our children are being pummeled with this everywhere you turn. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that there's there's many reasons why the United States is sort of the belly of the beast at the moment, but a lot of it's money.
0: You know, I want to go back to something you just pointed out here, because I, I often look at when I talk to parents, I look at the various points of contact, and I think that is something that we are not aware of as parents, because not only do you have on the school front Um, Our kids being indoctrinated, um, you know, seven and a half to eight hours a day. But there are other points of contact where the minds and the hearts of our children are almost being commandeered. Uh, What has your investigation turned up about that and how can parents be more vigilant?
1: Well, I think parents have to be vigilant um, in every way possible, especially when it comes to school, uh, because that is where they spend a lot of their time. Um, review their homework assignments, review, you know, ask questions of guidance counselors and ask ask to see documents. And I mean, if they even suspect anything, talk to other parents about it. You really can't be too careful. Um, I've, I've heard of families, even from very conservative areas, where you, again, would not expect this kind of ideology to be very prevalent. But their kids get sucked down this uh, this dark, into this darkness. It's pretty bad. It's obviously much worse if you live in an area like New York City or San Francisco or Los Angeles, where it's just absolutely everywhere. Uh, but I, I think that, I mean, parents have to find a way to he- instill a healthy view of their self, male and female, made in God's image, and um, not freak out. Look, I mean, I, I'm also opposed to what you might say are very, very, very rigid gender norms. I mean, it's totally fine if a boy wants to wear a pink shirt or a girl wants to wear blue. There are things that are just ridiculous. I was just talking about that with some friends today. It's like, so what if a boy's more artistic and a girl likes tractors? I mean, great. Mm-hmm. But watch for the kind of, whenever you see content that's trying to confuse children about yes. their bodies. Brandon, bodies let me do this. who we are. Yeah. Let me
0: jump in and grab the break. I want to stay here on the other side of the break. Brandon showalter we'll take a break and be right back.
2: You go before I know that you've even gone to
0: end my
2: What well, you asked about the worst case scenario, and that's death by suicide and again, you know transition affirmation, gender affirming therapy is not proven to improve mental health or to reduce suicide and the best studies have the worst results but this study out of sweden you know from around uh, 2011 or so that looked at all sex reassignment surgery patients in sweden over 30 years if you follow them out 10 years not again not six months one year two year the honeymoon period that most uh, studies tend to stop in but you follow them 10 years or more they have a completed suicide rate 19 times that of the general population Three times the all-cause mortality, meaning all the things that can kill someone, and about three times the rate of psychiatric hospitalization. No improvement there. And in 2019, a different electronic medical review of the entire nation of Sweden, uh, Brandström and Pachankas, ultimately showed that both gender-affirming hormones and uh, gender-affirming surgery did nothing to approve the psychological endpoints that they looked at. So here are two of the best studies of their kind showing that it didn't change much. And there's all kinds of sub-studies that can bring up stuff out of Denmark and other places showing it didn't really help much. And it didn't help no matter how supportive the general population was. If you're looking for suicide reduction, this isn't it. The package insert of, for example, Lupron, the main puberty blocker used in the United States, has specific warning in there about the risk of depression, self-harmful behavior, a low rate of uh, suicidal uh, suicide attempts. Well, really, this is something I'd put someone on who's threatening to kill themselves if they're not on puberty blockers. That that doesn't sound right.
0: Mm, And it shouldn't sound right. It just... (laughs) shouldn't sound right. I think the problem, the persistent problem, is that so many of us are just uninformed, and that is why I'm so grateful to have our guest on, Brandon Showalter, investigative reporter with the Christian Post, who has put together a five-part series looking at the indoctrination that is happening with our kids as far as uh, gender and gender ideology and the way they see themselves, what they believe about human sexuality. Uh, It's so important for us to be informed to be able to make these arguments but at the end of the day at the end of the day my hope is that being informed and making the argument from that place is sort of like the the offshoot of the biblical conviction that exists first the mm-hmm. the the conviction that the word of god is true Amen. The conviction that we can trust God, that he made them in his image, male and female, he made them. And and I think if we start there, then we can add all of the information that people like Brandon and others are um, making available to us so that we, we strengthen our argument, we come to the fight ready. But I think you don't even show up to fight if you don't first have that biblical conviction. So it doesn't matter, all the other information. If you're not resolute and you're being convinced that the word of God is trustworthy— Uh, then probably you don't even make it to the battleground. Uh, Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's On American Family Radio. You're listening to a snippet from the uh, five-part investigative podcast, Generation Indoctrination, uh, hosted by investigative reporter Brandon Showalter. And he joins us today to talk about that. Brandon, uh, as we were going to the break, you were making some points here that I think, and I don't know why these points are controversial that you're making. Um, I don't see any reason why they should be. But I want to go back to them because what we're not talking about when we talk about gender ideology and social transition, we're not talking about what has always been in that you have the different makeup of personalities in kids and you see different right. things that they enjoy that have nothing right. to do with their sexuality or their sexual identity. And we, we would have never looked at those things as such. But now those mm-hmm. things are being latched on to because it fits into right. a narrative. Go ahead.
1: No, that's absolutely right. And uh, and it's, it's to sort of underscore your point that you were making about, yes, obviously, certainly what motivates me is my faith and being grounded in God's Word, and I think, if anything, the truth of being made male and female in God's image is emphasized here. But I tell you, I've I interviewed non-Christians, and I've worked with people who aren't, you know, even radical feminists, who absolutely deplore this stuff that's going on now in this neo-fangled gender space because if you think about it, it's profoundly offensive that these men who dress up in drag and wear these garish outfits and that, that somehow claim that that make that or they they dress and present as women that they then how then make the argument that somehow that makes them a woman was that not the most demeaning and regressive stereotype <laughs> of what women are Come and on. so they they rightfully hate it and so yes but all those stereotypes are somehow being. Held out as this is sort of the mark of being truly a woman or truly a man. If you're talking about the opposite sex, so yes, um, I, I think that all of that. It, this is this is not, you know, just liking different things or personality types. That there's there's you know infinite varieties of personalities. What never changes is our biological sex, which is stamped on our DNA in every single nucleus of ourselves and in, in the cells of our body.
0: Yes. Yes. You know, so I want to go back to because you mentioned the the drag queens and and this huge caricature of. Right. And a caricature, I think, may even be generous, like just because it almost kind of implies (laughs) that there's some truth to what they are presenting. It's right. It's not. It's you know. But you had one guest in uh, one of the episodes, Mary Rice Hassan. And she talked to Hassan. She talked about mm-hmm. post Obergefell kind of being the the entry point for the T in the LGB <laughs> sort of letters. And and I thought it was right. so insightful the point that she was making. I'm hoping you can unpack that a little bit for our listeners.
1: Well, yes, I mean obviously once that decision came down in two thousand fifteen it was as though the the trans activists completely took over. And and while I'm very much like like you all i very much believe in our faith's historic teaching on marriage and sexual ethics but what's fascinating is that this had all been in the works even before mm. that ruling and so the yeah. the tea was added even before uh same-sex marriage was was ruled that ruling at the supreme court there was this sort of trade-off behind the scenes uh and i've I, again though i'm very much a believer in our, in our faith's teaching on the subject, I get lesbians on the phone with me fairly often saying how adamantly opposed they are to this T, this Mm -hmm. trans madness, because (laughs) lesbians are now told that unless they like, well, I can't even say it on the air, but like the trash and the misogynistic horribleness that's hurled at them is just absolutely appalling. If they won't have, you know, relationships with men, they're called bigoted. I mean, everything is Uh just chaotic and inverted and crazy. Um, so I mean, and what could be more homophobic than telling someone who's same sex attracted that they're bigoted if they don't have a relationship with the opposite sex? I mean, you just have hmm. to laugh at it a little bit, but yeah. I, I I while it's humorous in a way, it's actually I, I don't laugh at it because it's yeah. just so evil. It's with being done, yeah. it's, it's tragic, it really Brandon. Is tragic. It is it's not something to laugh at. It's
0: it is it is absolutely and and I understand the point that you're making. I understand, like because we are reasonable people, so we come to a right. discussion seeking to find some sort of logic to hang our hat on. We we are looking for reason, we are looking for objectivity, and and I think the the point that you're touching on here is that it's just. It is laughable that from this ooze, because you don't have anything that's subjective. If you if you don't go back to God for absolute truth, then you don't have absolute truth. You just have a war of, of opinions. You have a war of feelings, mm-hmm. and <laughs> into this ooze, we as members of the the bride of Christ, man, we kind of we put our foot in that, and we have to rush right. in with the truth. And I think that that's exactly what you what you guys are doing and what you've done in this multi part series. Uh, I want to play another clip here um, before we run out of too much time. But before we do that, I I, I do want to ask, what are you hoping that? your listeners walk away with like as as you wrap up and the last uh, episode is released tomorrow what Mm -hmm. is your sincere hope for the takeaways
1: i'll just say it very plainly because then i know you want to play a clip but i just hope they realize that this is the medical scandal of the century and our children are its targets and that you're going to have to do everything you can to make sure that you protect him from it, because this is some of the most savage cruelty I've ever seen. What could possibly be more abusive than sterilizing and disfiguring a child?
0: Mm. Okay. Well, here we go. Um, I'll set this up. I think this is Dr. Favali that we're going to hear talking about uh, John Money and his role in um, redefining gender or gender expression
3: uh, to support his wicked theory, uh, this is clip four. He borrowed the term gender from linguistics in order to express his theory that gender identity was a process of socialization. So you could have a male child, but we're basically blank slates. And so it's this process of socialization that happens in the first three years that, um, that basically creates one sense of gender. So that was his theory that were very malleable, that were blank slates, and that what we understand as gender is not necessarily a result of biological sex, but is more a process of acculturation, especially in the first few years of life.
1: Money's belief wasn't just a contention or mere whim. As Dr. Favale explains, he decided to put his controversial gender theories to a real life test.
3: It's important, though, to really look at the kind of dark history here. So he had the opportunity in the early 60s to test out his theory of this malleable, socially constructed understanding of gender on a set of identical male twins, one of whom had a botched circumcision that pretty much eradicated his genitalia. So John Money thought, no problem you know he doesn't have a penis anymore but that's okay we'll just raise him as a girl and he won't know the difference because we don't have innate gender identities but rather we can socialize someone into gender now we're going to leave it
0: right there you'll just have to listen to that podcast to hear the outcome of that if you are not researched on that and you were unfamiliar with John Money um this is going to be very eye opening for you because even though and i learned listening to the podcast brandon i i learned that john money when sort of the curtains were pulled back on his quote unquote research i mean so much of it was debunked but there was never this public um i i don't know what you would call it never been you,
1: repudiated you're right that's
0: exactly the word i'm looking for you yeah. exactly right and and yet and yet we still have this practice happening in our schools it even the result of his yeah. work that was like quack work is still yeah. happening to our kids today. That I don't understand that.
1: It really is amazing. Uh, the Daily Wire documentary, What is a Woman?, talks about John Money as well. Sure. Dr. Yes. Miriam Grossman is a psychiatrist who mentioned. And I think if anybody is singularly responsible, you, there's many people who have sort of sown the seeds of this madness that we're seeing now, but if you had to pick one person who you could sort of lay most of the blame for this gender insanity in our culture today, it would be John Money, that guy who was at Johns Hopkins for a while. And, yes, the Reimer twins, where Dr. Favali was mentioning the botched circumcision on one of them, he, comm- he that, poor, that poor man took his life, uh, mm. I think, you know, when he was in his 30s. And the only reason I know the details about that is because he took his life on – uh, my 19th birthday <laughs> it was on mm-hmm. may 4th my birthday which was crazy to think now now i'm doing all this work but no it's absolutely horrific what that man unleashed on our culture and we didn't talk about this in the podcast but dr john money also had pedophilic sex acts simulated in part of his experiments these i mean it's absolutely abominable what that man did and how he totally convoluted how we understand gender and sex in our culture and uh There was a guy by the name of Paul McHugh, who's a psychiatrist, that was actually at Johns Hopkins and was instrumental in shutting a lot of that horror down. But that has since been reinvigorated in clinics across this country, including Mm. at Johns Hopkins, where Dr. Money once was. Um, So this never went away. And it's a shame because it should have gone away. Um, This should be on the ash heap of history. Uh, But sadly now, because we've got Pink and blue rainbow flags waving in the background. Right. Children's hospitals around the world are clamoring to have pediatric gender clinics and countless children are now being irreversibly damaged and abused by it.
0: Yeah, exactly right. You know, and I, I think one of the things that um should sadden us all by this and, and should serve as a stark reminder is that the of these twin boys who, you know, won it was tragic what happened to him, the loss right. of his genital. I mean, it's absolutely tragic. But I think, and I, I watched a documentary on these boys a while back, and so I'm familiar with the story, but I, I found it tragic that this boy, while being raised as a girl, never knowing like that he was actually what a boy, happened? he still right, knew that right. he was a boy. He still knew he still knew that he, he, had he was a boy. A I
1: mean internal knowing of it. Yes, mm-hmm. right.
0: Yes. And so this this alone, in addition to everything else that we know, this alone, Shows that at a cellular level, like and in a way that cannot be denied, it is not just socialization. Right. It's not just putting on a dress for a boy, and and yet this is what's being peddled to our children that they can bind their breasts, that they can tuck their members, and and all of these things. That's and I'm not trying to be unnecessarily graphic, but this is what is happening you in our culture be. today.
1: Yeah,
0: and and right. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, so many parents are just unaware, Brandon.
1: Well, and to your point about being graphic, I got to say to both of you Addisons, I think it's going to take people confronting the grisly horrors as they really are, because unless people feel that kind of visceral discomfort, I don't think this is going to change. I mean, I have, I've gotten, I can't tell you how many nights I've wept as parents called me and they send me pictures of their teenage daughters who have beards and they're bloated because they've gone to Planned Parenthood and got testosterone. I, I see these disfigured bodies sometimes come across my screen and it just, it's absolutely horrible. But, you know, I'm, I'm convicted by the Lord to just continue to report as best I'm able on this because these pictures don't lie and they're no. very disturbing, but it has to be confronted. Yeah. And I don't see any other way.
0: Brandon, please continue this work. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you for the incredible work that you've done. The podcast is Generation Indoctrination. It's a five-part series. You can get it wherever you get your podcast. And I cannot recommend more strongly that you watch it or listen, that you listen. Until tomorrow, Lord willing.
2: God bless.